by the time you hear this podcast, your mind might be telling you no, but your body, your body's telling you yes. My mind's telling me no. But my body, my body's telling me yes. Baby, I don't want to hurt nobody, but there is By the time you hear this podcast, I'm Greg. I'm Ben. <laughs> I don't see nothing wrong. <laughs> and we see nothing wrong. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> it's a classic right there. <laughs> Hopefully you know that song. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. If if not, you'll learn about it. And it should give you an idea of what we're talking about today. Yeah. Um, so... Welcome to the podcast. Uh, this is episode 45. All right. The 1995 Michael Jordan episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, for everyone listening, <clears throat> we certainly do appreciate it. Appreciate mm-hmm. all the downloads, all the um, all the sharing, all the listening. Um, we definitely appreciate it. Uh, if you want to tell someone about it. Yes, please do. We, we, we encourage that <laughs> as well. Um, you can first go to our website by the time you hear this dot com <laughs> where we post every episode and uh links and or videos and or videos to news that we talk about and uh it is set up like a blog, so we do encourage you to comment as well. Mm-hmm. You can also visit us on facebook facebook dot com slash by the time you hear this now the website and the Facebook page are spelled with the word you. If you want to visit us on the Instagram, it is by the time you hear this spelled with the letter U because we're upstanding. Yes. And that is the same spelling for our email address by the time you hear this at gmail.com. And if you miss out on how you're supposed to spell anything, check our show notes because it's it's in there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
And uh, to listen to our podcast and download it, you have a variety of options. Um, it is hosted by Podomatic, so you can visit us there. You can also go to iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Satchel Podcast Player, and CastBox to uh, to listen, to download, to stream, mm-hmm. to share with your friends and family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> give us a give us a like on Facebook. Share it on Facebook. Um, it'd be much appreciated. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, like to send a shout out before we begin to uh, to Thomas Murphy. He's the host of the Inspire Wire podcast. And I did his intro. Okay. Was that the one that you showed me last time I was here? That they wanted? Uh, that might have been a different one. Okay. Okay. Um, there have been so many, but <laughs> he's the only one who like reached out to me to like uh, to interview me on his podcast. Oh, wow. Awesome. <laughs> so we did that interview last night. Um, as of this recording, he'll be posting it tomorrow. Um, and when he does, I will share that link on our Facebook page. And... Um, and on and our Instagram. Good so um, he asked me about like just doing voiceover work. And, <laughs> and then I told him that uh, that I had a podcast as well. He's like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know. So, you know, I told him about that. <laughs> so uh, it was it was a pretty fun interview. Um, so uh, let's get into some music news. man. Indeed. Indeed. So uh, some interesting things happened in the past couple of days. Yeah, because it's been I was like, <laughs> was I just over here? <laughs> In the in the um, dining room in the studios. Dining room studio. <laughs> so um, let me add. Okay, so for people who are familiar with the two thousand song "Stand" by Eminem, is uh, that where it came from? Yeah. Oh God, I didn't know that's where it came from. Where else did you think it came from? I don't know. Oh man, that makes so much sense now. <laughs> So, uh, people familiar with the 2000 song stand by Eminem, uh, which was a song about, um, a, a fan of his, a fan of Eminem's who is kind of obsessed with him and, um, wants to, wants to meet him and he gets kind of stalkerish and creepy and, um, just basically an obsessive fan. Uh, and that became the term to use for someone who is an obsessive fan. But instead of obsessive, it kind of like devolved into just a fan yeah. of something. Now you're a stand for it. Like you're mm-hmm. not creepy for it. It's just something that you like. But the song, um, the song has now, well, the, 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 the term, the term stand yeah. is now a word. Thank you. Eminem. In the dictionary. <laughs> it has officially been recognized by the Oxford English Dictionary. And, uh, of course, as I said, it's been used to describe super fans. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people who are... It's also been known to be used as a verb to to stand for something, not with a D. Yeah. <laughs> but to S-T-A-N. Yeah, I've typically heard it, you know, used on the end of a person's... Like a, a famous person's name, like, you know, Kanye Stan or... Um, Kesha Stan, you know, something like that. Kobe Stan for, you know, the Kobe fans out there because they're kind of crazy. They're, they're LeBron Stans. Yeah, they're LeBron Stans too. So that's, and I never knew the origin of the word. And now it's even creepier to know this. that's what that means. Yeah. Um, it is officially described as a noun uh, 
which means an overzealous or obsessive fan of a particular celebrity. And also a verb, which is to be an overzealous <laughs> or obsessive fan of a particular celebrity. Um, so we will, uh, I, I guess mean, we'll, we'll you... post the, <laughs> we'll post the picture of it in the dictionary. Um, should we might, might as well include the video for Stan for, yeah. you know, Shout out to Devin Sawa. <laughs> <laughs> it was Devin Sawa, yeah, it was Devin Sawa video. with that oh, blonde man. hair looking like Eminem. Would you consider yourself a stand of anyone? Um, man, I'm not that. I mean, I'm a fan of a lot of. Yeah, I don't think I go that deep. But I don't. Yeah, like where nothing they can do is bad. Like, oh man, did you just hear Third Eye Blind burned down a children's hospital? Man, they had it coming. Like, I'm not that bad, you know. Like, I feel like you got to be at that level. Well, what did the what did the children's hospital do to them? Yeah, okay. Did they They cancel their show? Had to be a reason. Did they fire festival them? Did they? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I feel like that'd be warranted, you know. But no, I don't think I'm. As much as I love certain bands and certain artists, I don't think I could be that obsessive with anyone to where I would write them. Um, Because now, now that you've mentioned that, that video just keeps going through my head and the creepiness. and that's what you'd have to deal with, man. Like if you, if you're famous, you probably have at least a handful of those. Yeah. And that's kind of crazy. So, um, uh, other words that have been added to the dictionary, uh, before Stan were uh, bootylicious. I'd heard that was in there. Uh, and YOLO. I yeah I I I heard that was in there before I knew what it was, and before I'd heard the the motto yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. Uh. So maybe one day you could make a word to put in the dictionary. Yeah. And you know what? To be fair, that's not even a word. It's just a dude's name. <laughs> okay. Uh. Moving on from that, there's one I, I didn't list that I totally forgot to add this, but I thought it would be interesting to talk about because right. it will turn it will tie into some of the running jokes we have on this show. Mm-hmm. So uh, for people who watch Monday Night Football, oh yeah, All right. <laughs> uh, they are bringing back uh, Hank Williams, Hank Williams Jr. They're bringing back his theme song "All My Rowdy Friends," which I didn't know was the name of the song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just know it's "Are You Ready for Some Football?" That's the R- that's the only song. That's the only part of the song that I know. That's all you need to know. <laughs> but they are bringing him back and bringing back the uh, bringing back the song that was six years ago, yeah. to where he was fired and they dropped the theme. But there's a bit of a twist. There's a bit of a twist. A twist. So uh, in this revamped version, they're going to add two artists. Um, one is, I don't know if we've called him the Nickelback of R&B. You have to sing his name. You can't just say it. You got to sing it. <laughs> he doesn't say it. it. I'll sing it. Jason Derulo. <laughs> That means I can never watch the intro now with Kendra. She <laughs> hates his guts. And I don't know why. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah. I call him Jason Computer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I guess he kind of could be the nickelback of, of R&B. R&B. Yeah. yeah. Everything he does is about the same. And so it will include Jason Derulo and the nickelback of country music. Florida Georgia line just all together <laughs> if you can if you can take that much 
of a good thing. <laughs> if you can. So, um, man, it's, that's the best they could do. Yeah. Um, or did it fit the budget? Like, cause I mean, why not go for like, you know, well, I don't know. Maybe the room is only big enough for one country. I well, I think they had to get an R and B artist or a rapper they had to get one. They had to mm-hmm. get somebody like that. So to not completely alienate the black audience by bringing back <laughs> Hank Williams jr. <laughs> And then just to further submit that Hank Williams Jr. is this theme is going to be around for a while. And and let's appeal to the young kids who don't know who Hank Williams Jr. (laughs) is. Let's bring in Florida Georgia. Mm. That's I'm you know what? I'll give it a chance. I'll give anything a chance. I'll give it a chance. It's going to be auto tuned to hell, though. But here's the thing with me, though, to where it doesn't really affect me that much. Um. As I add that note to, and it was our, funny too. to our show notes. It might be a budget thing because uh, didn't ESPN just fire a lot of people? <laughs> yeah. They they low on cash. They might be like, mm, we could get uh, like we could get Jason Derulo or we could get someone else who costs a lot. Let's get Jason Derulo. Let's get. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the thing that that it doesn't bother me that much. I can understand if people who who watch football like from the beginning to end, mm-hmm. it could bother them. I, I never caught the beginning of the game or the, you know, the, the beginning theme song when it first comes on, like right at eight o'clock, I'm watching Monday night football. I would with my dad, just cause when I was younger, he would watch it and he knew, well, I don't know if he, he knew that, are you ready for some football? And then I felt like he would just add his own words, (laughs) (laughs) like, which would like, he would talk about like the people who were commentating, like it was like, and then I grew up, I was like, those are the words. I realized my dad was just adding in his own words. So yeah, they um, uh, they're bringing they're bringing him back, but uh, yeah, I never caught the beginning theme. Um, and uh, listening, I was listening to um, the right time with Bomani Jones last night, and mm-hmm. he was talking about it, and he was saying that um, bringing in Hank Williams Jr. is supposed to appeal to a certain kind of football watcher, mm-hmm. basically, and. Um, you only do, you really doing that with the NFL. Uh, you're, you're bringing in people who could identify with a lot of your audience Mm -hmm. as opposed to the NBA who bring in people who identify more with the players. That's why you're watching the finals. There's a lot of Kendrick Lamar on there. Mm -hmm. Um, and NBC kind of did the, kind of had their same, they kind of had the same idea as far as let's get a country artist. To do our theme song, oh, yeah, like Carrie it was Underwood. Faith Hill, it yeah, was Faith Hill, Hill yeah. and now it's Carrie Underwood. Yeah. So, but that is to appeal to a certain football mm-hmm. watcher. So, um, I think uh, you know they want the ESPN wants to appeal to their certain football watcher, but not to alienate other people who actually mm-hmm. do also watch, watch football. Mm-hmm. So they bring in Jason Derulo. And we got to bring in the kids, so Florida Georgia <laughs> line as well. So there you go. I don't All know how right. that's going to work. <laughs> Is Jason Derulo and Hank Williams Jr. going to be in the same room? Probably. D- Does Jason Derulo know who Hank Williams Jr. is? <laughs> Does he know who Hank Williams Sr. is? Does he know anyone named Hank? Probably not. <laughs> He's like, wait, there's three of y'all named Hank Williams? Like, okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um. So... Yeah. Good luck with that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So we got some new musicals. Well, I know one of them is new. Uh, yeah, the other one's been around for a while. It's just making yeah. a Broadway debut. So there is one that will be moving to Broadway, and that is the Working Girl musical. Let me cancel that. Woo. All right. Um, so, uh, Cindy Lauper will has signed on to write the music and lyrics for the Working Girl musical. For anyone uh, not familiar, it was um, it was a 1988 film and not a musical, <laughs> but it was like a comedy drama um, film starring Melody Griffith and Harrison Ford and Sigourney Weaver. Was that before or after Alien? After Alien. Okay. Okay. And uh, after Indiana Jones. <laughs> okay. So there were stars. Okay. Um, I think uh, Harrison Ford and Sigourney Weaver already had their Oscar nominations. Oh, okay. Sigourney, Sigourney Weaver may have had two. And it was an Oscar nomination for Melanie Griffith and also Joan Cusack. Okay. Uh, Mike Nichols directed the film. I know of, yeah, he, he wrote, he directed the film. He uh, also most well known for directing the graduate. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, uh, it's going to be a musical. Cindy Lauper will write the music and lyrics and Kim Rosenstock. Who's a writer on new girl, uh, will write the book based on Kevin Wade's original screenplay. So there's going to be a book to go along with it. Is that well, standard? the, the music and lyrics it, like the musical, it's not all just everyone singing for the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's basically like Cindy Lauper will write the music and the lyrics. And then Kim Rosenstock will write the script around the music. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they, they work, they'll work together too. But you said the together. book though, is, is that just, well, like yeah, a... okay. those are like the, the lines for the gotcha. rest of the play. <laughs> okay. Today I learned. All right. <laughs> Um, so, uh, they said a, uh, who made this quote here? Uh, Fox stage productions and aged in wood productions confirmed this said working girl was a groundbreaking depiction of a working class woman determined to succeed in the cutthroat male dominated corporate world of the 1980s. Funny and smart. This now iconic tale is just as relevant today and who better to adapt it for Broadway than Cindy Lauper, who's been a change maker in music since the eighties. And Kim Rosenstock of the hit TV series, New Girl. So, um, did they get the right people? It looks like it. I, I mean, don't They know. feel like they got the right people. For some reason, Dolly Parton keeps coming to mind. I don't know. Maybe because of 9 to 5, but I don't know. Yeah, well. I mean, Cindy, I think Cindy Lauper would do a good job. There was a 9 to 5 made to a musical? Yeah, yeah I think so. Okay, yeah. so there you go. <laughs> Uh, but this isn't Cindy Lauper's first sta screen to stage musical adaptation. She made history when she became the first woman to win the Tony Award for Best Original Score. Oh wow! When she wrote Kinky Boots. Okay, so it looks like they. It sounds like they got a, a proven commodity then. Yeah. Um. Hmm. So she, which is, uh, which was the first one she wrote, and that was based on the 2005 British film, and um. Yeah, there is no word yet. Uh, as I said, I, as I said before we start recording, Carly Simon won an Oscar for her song in the film mm -hmm. "Let the River Run," but it is not known whether that song will be included. Gotcha. I mean, I guess they'd have to get her to sign off and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, uh, well, Ben just found out about another musical. Yeah. And honestly, I'm not a fan of the show except for one episode, but, um, SpongeBob the musical. I think this is going to be interesting. <laughs> um, it's getting its, um, so it was announced back in 2015. Um, but now it's finally getting a Broadway debut December 4th at the Palace Theater. Um, just kind of a rundown of some of the people working on it. I mean, you got David Bowie, you've got T.I., Panic at the Disco, um, the aforementioned Cindy Lauper, Yolanda Adams, The Flaming Lips, um, Steven Tyler, Lady Antebellum, John Legend. So there's a lot of people um, working on it. I, I think this is going to be cool. I'd probably see this, honestly. I've not watched the show very much. But just for the names attached, which is probably what they were you know, going for, really. If you get some names, you can get more people in there. Um, but of course, you know, based on the cartoon, the Nickelodeon show, um, I don't know. I, other than that, I don't really know too much about it other than that, you know, it's going to premiere December 4th. All right. So, um, uh, bring your kids. Yes. Uh, <laughs> this is, this will be one that they like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it sounds interesting. like, like, how do you, I guess what, I wonder what the execution is going to be like. I mean, it can't be, it's not going to be like Spider-Man turn off the dark <laughs> where everyone gets hurt <laughs> or people get hurt because all the stunts they're trying to do. Um, I just want to know who was like, yes, this is a good idea. <laughs> no one will get hurt. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we'll, uh, keep an eye out for that. Maybe they'll go on yeah. tour. They'll come by the Fox. I also here. just want to know if when the going gets, gets tough by TI is a cover of the Billy Ocean song. <laughs> When the going gets tough, I'd probably pay just to see or find a bootleg or something. I got to know. Yeah. Um, so we've uh, we mentioned this uh, the, this program before and it start it's going to start in a couple of weeks, actually, I think um, ABC's boy band in which you, the audience, can vote on putting this boy band together. So if in. they fail, it will be your fault. <laughs> um uh, Rita Ora is going to be the host, and uh, it will also include Timbaland and uh, also have Nick Carter from the Backstreet Boys and also Emma Bunton, a.k.a. Baby Spice from the Spice Girls as judges. Um, so they've got some star power. They've yeah. got uh, two people who know about being in... Um, about being in a, a boy band girl group mm -hmm. kind of dynamic. And then you have a producer who's produced for many different pop acts throughout his career. Yeah. Um, and he's still active. He's still relevant. So yeah. I'm wondering how he's going to keep that schedule. And it's interesting that, well, you know, um, yeah, because he, he spent a lot of time the last two years, mm -hmm. at least working on empire. Oh, really? I didn't the, know he was doing that as the producer for their, Okay. Original music. Um, but then he, he stepped away from that, but now he's, he's jumping into being, um, a judge on this show. Mm -hmm. So, um, be interesting to see like what, uh, as far as him being on television, Yeah, you know, we, we've only seen Timbaland on TV three to five minutes at a time in the studio, <laughs> <laughs> in the studio or, or in a music video. So, um, that'll be, uh, It'll be interesting to see uh, as far as how this show comes together, because yeah. basically you're trying to put together a group that 
you know, you know who, who you who you're up against this time as as far as the um, catch getting the audience's attention. Mm-hmm. You seen the One Direction just uh, somehow. Yeah, <laughs> they're larger than life right now. Yeah, I mean, basically, they were put together through a talent show, mm-hmm. and that, but that was in the UK, and they crossed over to the US. So this is ABC's chance to kind of see if they could do it they themselves. One direction, yeah. Um, of course, they have done this kind of thing before. For people who uh, do not remember the first season of Making the Band, the very first season before Diddy. Was before Diddy, <laughs> it was on ABC, and the band that was formed was called O Town. And some of you are probably wondering, who's O Town? Who's O Town? <laughs> exactly, and that's our point. <laughs> Let's see if they can make it work this time. <laughs> um, so yeah, you guys look up look up O Town and O-Town. Ashley Parker Angel. Yeah, who you probably think is a girl. No, it's not. It's a dude. <laughs> yeah, sound. He had a child star name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but anyway, uh, that's who will be on, uh, ABC's boy band. I think it starts on June 22nd. Um, moving on from there, uh, Babyface uh, was interviewed by billboard for his upcoming induction into the songwriters hall of fame. Well-deserved I might add. And, uh, he answered, uh, some questions with billboard. Uh, wanted to know, uh, well, get, uh, Ben's take on some of these answers. So the first thing they asked him was, you wrote Whitney Houston's 1990 hit, I'm Your Baby Tonight, before you met her. What was that like? Um, he says, I'm Your Baby Tonight was the first one written for Whitney. That was an incredible moment, being able to play the record for her for the first time and having her like it. I wasn't nervous. I don't have an ego when it comes to placing songs. If someone doesn't like something, I'm fine with that, and I'll try to find something they do like, and I'll push myself until I figure out how to be a part of the project. But I was very happy she did like it because with Whitney, you don't know what she's going to like and not going to like. I hadn't met her yet, but I learned from that point. She's very honest. I respect that. That's I didn't. I I don't know. I guess I just assumed he had an ego (laughs) when it came to writing. Um, And I didn't know that they had the track ready for her when they met her. So then um, and this is what I always want to know with songs that are demoed first. Who sung on the demo? I want to hear the demo. Hmm. Um. I love reading about that when I hear like I've heard a demo by Ryan Tedder where he demoed Halo and I liked it. Um, so I would like to hear that, but that's pretty cool. All right. Um, another question you asked him, what's another hit song you wrote that's particularly meaningful to you? And he says, boys to men's end of the road. R and B classic. That's a, if as a matter of fact, you should help me with this list. I was making a list of R and B standards. I, that would that definitely has to go on there. <laughs> End of the road. Um, he says it was written for them in mind, and when I finished the song, I thought about trying to keep it myself because I thought it was good. But then I kept uh, imagining their voices on it. It was for the Boomerang soundtrack, but it was this whole Philly international kind of vibe. That's where boys there. That's mm-hmm. where they're from. And I was pretty close to finish, finishing it, and I called uh, Daryl. That's his co-writer, Daryl Simmons. And I had this house that I rented in Atlanta to do writing. It was close to the condo I was living in. I couldn't write in the condo because they would always complain about the music. Oh. So I called Daryl over and he came in and L.A. came in towards the end of the song. But the vision was there clearly from the get go, trying to get this whole Philly groove. We went to Philly and recorded it in about four hours. That's all the time we had. You had to get it right <laughs> the first time. We all thought it came out great. 
but none of us thought it was going to be the one. We just thought it was a great record and they were pretty new at that point. I think that was their first number one hit. Yeah. And it turned out to be one of the biggest songs in the history of pop music. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So not bad boys to men, (laughs) not bad baby face. Um, that that's one of the all time great songs. One of the all time great R and B songs that I almost wonder if it's kind of forgotten. Cause I mean, that was almost what well, that was over 20 years ago. Yeah. 25, 25 years ago. Um, and I mean, it sounds like if you listen to the recording, it kind of sounds dated just because of, you know, yeah. the time, but it's still such a good song. I think what, how it may get overshadowed is that, I think it had the record for the longest run at number one. And then they broke, broke their it, own record. Yeah, with Mariah Carey. <laughs> My uh, sweet day. You know, the, the with that song and then the their, their two album. Yeah, that was uh, a big album. Just overshadowed Motown. Uh, cool, wait, no, it was Cooley High, High Harmony. Cooley High Harmony. Totally overshadowed that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, and I think it's something they never really recovered from. Well, yeah, I mean, like that, that song album. was just, well, that, you know, that album was huge. Um, and yeah, you're right. They couldn't like, how do you follow that up? Yeah. Like not many people can follow up an album that big, which, no, that might be a subject right there to talk about the first two albums of boys to men and why they couldn't follow it. <laughs> Cause I mean, like I, I'm a, I imagine, um, not four seasons of loneliness. What was the name of the third album? I know that was the single evolution evolution. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was successful, but not by yeah. their standards. Like, it's hard. It's hard to follow. Like when we talked about Michael Jackson's bad. That's yeah, the one after the Thriller. Yeah. yeah. Like it, it, it's, hard to, <laughs> it's hard to. It's hard to. It's hard to beat that because yeah. you always hear the adage like you have for all artists you have your whole life to make your first album. Yeah. The second album you have what a year or two maybe. <laughs> you know, so it's um it's kind of tough to to keep that going. Mm-hmm. Um, another question they asked him was. Who are some of the artists you're writing and or producing with now? Uh, he just did some writing with Charlie Puth. He said he okay, did some writing okay. with Bruno Mars on his last project. Mm-mm. He did some writing with Ty Dolla Sign. What? <laughs> and he says he's in the studio right now with Johnny Mathis. He's and, still alive. Yeah. Okay. I just figured he <laughs> died and we just didn't hear about it. Like, <laughs> Uh, he says Johnny is doing a contemporary songbook album. Nice. So songs like "I Believe I Can Fly" and "You Raise Me Up," and a couple of songs by Adele. Interesting. No, that I like. I like when people do that. He did an album like that too. Um, yeah. His cover of "Fire and um, Fire and Rain" was my favorite. Yeah, I love that. It's my favorite. One of my favorites. And. Um, so he's just working with artists from a Whitney Houston to a Barbra Streisand and Ariana Grande. Yeah. That's what keeps it fun and interesting. I love this work with Ariana Grande on that album. And uh, last question he asked him was, what's important for young songwriters today to know? The typical things of making sure it has a great melody and lyrics, but really more than anything, it's putting the time into each song and knowing you might have to scratch the whole thing and start all over again. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> Don't be afraid to do that. Don't get so stuck on an idea you feel like you can't move on. And try your best not to bring your ego to the room. The song should always win out first. Uh, The future is bright. The genres will ultimately disappear. and It's just going to be music, period. Imagine going into a songwriting session and saying, what can we write? Anything. Well said. Um, 
I think it's I think the message he gave was really good as far as like, you know, not being a, not being afraid to scrap things. But don't sleep on melody like melody is very important. <laughs> well, he, he said yeah, like, yeah, yeah they, he, he said that's a, you know, a yeah. normal thing to mm-hmm. to make sure it has a great melody and lyrics. Many of songs. Oh, not even lyrics, man. Many of songs have had awful lyrics, <laughs> but because it had a great melody. Like you're in there. You, I mean, like what kind of lyric is you? But everyone knows it. Like it's so catchy. Everyone knows it. You know, you could write anything. So yeah, melody, melody. Cause, and you know what? For him, he comes from a school from an era of songwriting where they took it seriously. <laughs> like no one really takes it seriously anymore. He came from an era where you wrote songs with structure. You wrote a verse. You might write a bridge. You, you'll write a chorus. Like, you know, you don't. No one writes like that anymore. So to him, structure and lyrics are going to be just important as important as melody. Whereas like nowadays, melody is like melody is king. Lyrics are just like, uh, well, like, how did you say it? <laughs> did you say it in a catchy way? You know, taking words and morphing them into other things to say it in a catchy method. You know, it's all that matters. Just act soldier boy. Okay. So, um, we have some executive VP of a record label news. I'll make that sound catchier. Yeah, see, that's an interesting way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no ID, uh, aka Dion Wilson, uh, veteran producer, is now the executive vice president of Capital Music Group. He will be responsible for A and R and production, and will work with senior management to assist on the creative direction of their collective of labels and he'll report directly to Ashley Newton, the president of capital music group. Um, he will continue to oversee his own label RTM RTM records. While in his previous role at Def Jam, he'd signed Janae Aiko logic, big Sean and common to the label. And, uh, yeah, for anyone who's not, who's not familiar with no ID, he is, I guess, probably most famously known also as the mentor to Kanye West. You hear Kanye West mention him, uh, in several of his songs. Mm -hmm. So, um, he is, uh, he will be, he's a record exec now. Yeah. I, I was. And when you mentioned that, the first thing that came up, came to my mind is, you know, what will he do in that role? Um, which this sounds like things that are right up his alley as far as A&R work. Um, if he was Kanye's mentor, that means he can cite talent. Um, and then, you know, as far as production work is right up his alley. So as far as, you know, making sure I would imagine executive production work, you know, making sure that the album it has a good team on it. Um, these are things I, I feel like he, he'd be able to do. Like, I was like, is he going to be handling the books? Is he going to be financial <laughs> stuff? Like reading profit and loss sheets and stuff like that. But no, this is totally up his his alley. And uh, for people who are not familiar with his production work, uh, of course, is that he he mentored Kanye, and he also was co producer on Run This Town, which won a Grammy. Uh, he's also worked with Rick Ross, Nas, Drake, Vince Staples, and Method Man, and he's also contributed to works with Tony Braxton, Janet Jackson, Ed Sheeran, and Melanie Fiona. So. Um, yeah, no ID, the executive VP of Capital Music Group. Oh, you just said Ed Sheeran, the, uh, the most, most influential black artist, mm-hmm. uh, the most influential artist on black music. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
Um, I'm never letting that go. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of black music, um, (laughs) Donald Glover says that he'll be retiring his music alter ego, Childish Gambino. Uh, He announced this at uh, the Governor's Ball Music Festival that his next album will be his last. Yeah, I saw Gambino. the video. So where, where was that? The governor's ball uh, in New York, New York. Okay. Okay. At the end of his performance, he said, I'll see you for the last Gambino album. And then just walked off stage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's interesting. Like the, the journey of his, of his music mm-hmm. um, for people who know me, I, I was there at the beginning. You were, I will vouch for you. <laughs> you were there. The very beginning. I'm talking about the Sick Boy mixtape. I still remember our, our road trip. This had to be 2007. <laughs> 2007 or 2008. And you're like, oh man, check out this beat that he sampled. I'm like, who the hell is Childish Gambino? <laughs> <laughs> so yes, he has. You, you've been on this train for a minute. Yeah. Um, it's been... Uh, it's been interesting to, to see the, the evolution because with sick boy, he was just a dude who sounded like he was trying really hard to sound like Lil Wayne. <laughs> he he was rapping through his nose. It was real nasally. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Um, and then he kind of evolved into something. Uh, people listen to cul-de-sac. I think that he, uh, he was listening to a lot of sleigh bells okay. on that one. <laughs> Maybe I should go back and check out some of these. Um, so yeah, you can see, you can like kind of hear the influences. And on "Awaken My Love," he was listening to some B funk. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, so would you say he was listening to on because the internet? Um, probably a lot of uh, like future. Okay, and and Kendrick and um and probably like a a lot of and pro- well a little bit of Drake too. I was waiting yeah. for that one. Yeah, he did sing a sung a couple of songs. <laughs> uh but he says he is uh he's ending his music career because he doesn't think it's necessary anymore. Really? Oh, that's unfortunate. I like his stuff. And he said, there's nothing worse than like a third sequel, like a third movie. And we're like, again, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I like it when something's good. And when it comes back, there's a reason to come back. There's a reason to do that. Hmm. Um, Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's I mean, comedian, actor first. I mean, he got the name out of a rap generator, rap name generator. So, I mean, like a Wu-Tang generator. So, I mean, he who knows how far he thought this could go <laughs> to where in certain circles, his musical persona has surpassed his on-screen persona. I know as a, as a fan, I know him more as childish Gambino than I do as, um, Donald Glover, the stand-up comedian, or what was his name on, uh, was it Troy on community? On community. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, and of course there's some people who know him equally, but like, you know, was he thinking that when this came out, that like, Oh, this could one day, you know, rival my on-screen persona. I mean, he's about to do a Star Wars movie. Like, he's probably going to be very busy. Yeah, and wants that on-screen persona to grow. Like the music part was just an outlet. Yeah. Um, just uh, just a, an outlet with with his writing. Um, because he was writing like screenplays and and mm-hmm. sketches, 
and and then working on his stand up and with acting and uh I think that's where he really wanted to go and the music the the buzz kind of grew yeah. very organically it really did yeah, yeah. um and, and he wrote yeah. a he wrote a script to go with one of his albums i can't remember which one because the internet is it okay yeah he wrote a script that i started reading is it's kind of out there i'm not going to lie <laughs> yeah in which the main character is the son of rick ross yeah <laughs> And there's also a short film that he wrote to go along with that, mm-hmm. uh, clapping for the wrong reasons. Um, so, like, even though, like, okay, yeah, he's a rapper, actor, or whatever, he is—he's a writer. Yeah, he's a writer, like at the core, a writer. Um, and uh, the his album "Awaken My Love" debuted at number one on the R&B charts, and he has been nominated for at least two Grammys. Okay. Um, and, uh, he said he doesn't, he didn't reveal when, when fans can expect the final album. Uh, but he's working on season two of Atlanta, which doesn't come out until next year. Jeez. <laughs> uh, he's going to be on FFFXX new animated series for Marvel's Deadpool. He's going to be in Spider-Man homecoming. Who's he going to be in that? I have no idea. Huh, okay. Uh he is in the Han Solo a Star Wars story as mm-hmm. Lando. Uh and he is in Disney's remake of The Lion King as the voice of Simba. Have they cast Han Solo yet for that movie? Um Let's see if this like, gives us anything. Uh Alden Ironreich. No clue who that is. Who is Alden Ironreich? Oh, he looks familiar. He was in, um, he was in Hail Caesar. Uh, he's big in shoes to fill, kid. He's been in something else I've seen. I'm pretty sure. Uh, so yeah, he will be playing the young Han Solo. Okay. Um, so yeah, look forward to the last Childish Gambino album. Um, I think he'll come back to it after a while. When he's not focused so much on it, I think though this won't be the last one, but it won't. It'll be the last one for a while, yeah. I think. Um. So yeah, that will do it for our news segment, brought to you by no one, and uh, we'll get to Ben's earworm of the week. All right. So this was a song introduced to me by one of our former guests, Matthew Graff. Um, it's by Pepper. It's called Illuminate. very catchy song and I'm in the table before we started and I forgot I'm sorry that's fine we can find it um, Illuminate the last track from their 2013 self-titled album and let me add that to the BTT YHT Earworms playlist and we're going to play it right now this is Pepper Uh, and their song Illuminate and we'll be right back. There was a time when she let me know what was under the bridge and under the snow. She came 
along She went so fast I saw a little light But I saw a doctor pass Fantastically on the bright side She was living on horizons too Why don't you wake up your mind Then why don't you turn on your light All I want is to illuminate you Break the hold of whatever's sailing you This ain't nothing but philosophy Self-titled Pepper. It's a very beachy song. Listen to yeah. it on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> you can find that on our BTT YHC Earworms playlist right now. If you want to pause it and you know go through the playlist, by all means, sure. I don't know why I think when you say that like someone's going to check right now. Yeah. Like, they can't. They can't hear us right now. <laughs> if they can, then where where are you? I'm, I'm looking. I don't see you. <laughs> maybe someone thinks we're not that upstanding. Well, we used to be something else. Yeah. And maybe that drew attention to us. <laughs> yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to get to our indie Instagrammer of the week. So Ben, pick a number one through four. One. One. All right. This is an artist named Handsome Jimmy Jr. Okay. And uh, let's see, we can what his Instagram handle is. Some Jimmy Junior. And uh, to be the indie Instagrammer of the week, it is drawn at random, but we Mm -hmm. are picking from those who have uh, liked one of our posts. Yeah. I thought I found it. Okay, this and is we can't have we have we should have um, we should not have ever heard of you, right? Um, don't believe us. There was an episode where we found somebody. I knew who they were, and we 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 dropped them. It was really sad because <laughs> I, uh, I really yeah. liked them. Um, um, and yeah. So and of course, you know everything we're going to say. We we're going to be as constructive as possible. I mean, we're not going to just bash you. You know. Um. Well, as I said, uh, Handsome Jimmy Jr., trying to see where he's from. I don't know a lot of his, well, uh, his listeners come from different places. He may be from Washington, D.C. I may be totally wrong about that. <laughs> we may be, we maybe find out when we hear one of his songs. Yeah. So um, I'll give you a choice, Ben. We have, we'll look at his top five. Uh, Treat You Like Somebody. Perky slash vibing on my mind, mafia, 
big bankroll. What's the first one again? Treat you like somebody. Treat you like somebody. All right. This is on Spotify. So we will add this song to our indie Instagrammer of the week. And you can follow him on Instagram at handsome.jimmyjr. So we're going to play Treat You Like Somebody. And let's see how it sounds. Listen, listen. He sounds like he's from somewhere in the south. <laughs> Maybe Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia. He's got a he's got a long drawl. He said trap, and I'm gonna go with he might be from Atlanta. Possible. He's actually from Memphis. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> this is a this is a very hateful song. Technically. <laughs> The, so, have you ever heard the song by Tia, I Can't Be Your Man? Yeah. That's what this reminds me of. Like, he's rapping, and in the background, he's saying all this stuff about the person. <laughs> and that's what this reminds me of. And I thought that's maybe he, like, I bet he's into Tia. Like, the, he kind of sounds like a Tia a little bit. Like, er, not an early Tia, I should say. Um, which I think there's a, a difference between early Tia and, and newer Tia. Yeah. Um,. I like the hook. I really like the hook. She's a good singer. She kind of sounds like Rihanna. Yeah. So that is Treat You Like Somebody by Handsome Jimmy Jr. I feel like I didn't hear him rap enough to really comment on his rapping. Yeah. There are probably other songs to where he did more, more yeah. rapping. Because this is like commentary rap. <laughs> and then a hook where, you know, we got Rihanna Light. But it ended up being catchy enough to where it's actually his most popular song yeah. on Spotify. So, how many uh, listens? Fifteen uh, hundred. Okay. So he's a fairly new artist. Mm-hmm. Even well, maybe his stuff just got on Spotify because he's got like he's got four albums mm. or mixtapes, however they may be classified. But he's got a lot of material on here, so it probably just got on here. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, we're, we'll add treat you like somebody to the indie Instagrammer of the week playlist search BTTYHT indie Instagrammer of the week. And thank you, handsome Jimmy jr. For liking mm-hmm. our post. Thank you. Um, keep on flowing. <laughs> uh, so we started the show with bump and grind by R. Kelly, a legend, <laughs> 
no, legend. he ain't gone yet, but he, he is. A, a songwriting legend, uh, mm-hmm. and probably more a uh, probably more eccentric than people realize, <laughs> or or just well, not maybe not that eccentric, but what like if you've seen the video where he is asked to write a song. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Based on random phrases. Yeah. <laughs> when he's able to make a song out of the phrase sex dolphin. <laughs> like he is I think he's uh he 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 writes like a rapper, but he does R and B. I think that's that's what his his stuff has been probably for like the last ten years. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, it, he didn't start that way, but he, didn't start he that got way. that way around. But it became the way and the, just Best to, of both worlds, that, maybe. Yeah, that kinda <laughs> that kinda keeps him uh keeps him interesting with a mm-hmm. lot of people. But uh, Ben, I'll have you take the lead on this because uh, this is your idea. So, uh, yeah, no, I mean, so <laughs> I've I've been I've been an R. Kelly fan for a while. Um, where there's his singing, his bravado, his writing, which a lot of I didn't realize how deep his writing really went. So, like when you mentioned, you know, what a girl, uh, what a girl wants by B2K and bump, bump, bump. Those are probably the ones that tip you over the edge. You're like, yes, let's cover this guy. Um, cause I knew he'd written, um, uh, you know, his own songs. I believe I can fly, which I, I call, um, I'd probably say from the start of, um, what's the song with Mr. Biggs with, um, contagious, with, huh? Contagious, not contagious. Oh, down low. Yes. From down low on to, I'd probably say Gotham city. Maybe I'm your angel. I was like, that's his classic writing. That's when he was trying to get a Grammy. Like every song he was writing was, was like, like those songs could be on a, on, on an AC station. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, um, I can't breathe like that song. Yeah. Um, I believe I can fly Gotham city, like all of those songs. You're like listening to those songs. I'm like, he actually sat down and was like, all right, let's get this Grammy. <laughs> um, and like you said, like with mentioning that end of the road is an R and B standard. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got some songs that, that could definitely qualify oh, for yeah. R and B standards. Um, uh, I don't know how many people at, how many guys at your high school tried to sing fortunate by Maxwell. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of dudes at my school tried to like, after at the first note, like, okay, you're done. Just stop, mm-hmm. please stop. So funny <laughs> that you mentioned that I, I remember, when I believe I can fly came out, I remember going down to a graduation. Uh, my cousins were graduating from high school and I remember hearing that song song at the graduation and hearing it song at every graduation that year, <laughs> because it was the song. Like everyone was like, Oh, we're going to sing that R Kelly. I believe I can fly. Um, because it was just, it was one of those songs where it was like, you know, it's an R and B standard. It's an R and B, like an instant standard. Um, much in the way of like a uh, like back at one by Ryan McKnight, it was well yeah. it was well written, well sung, well performed, um, well produced. Everything about it was good. And on top of that, it's by this dude who came up with an album called Twelve Play. So you didn't quite <laughs> you you weren't quite ready for it. Yeah, it was um, like the song that could be on the AC station. Mm-hmm. He uh, it's like he. Well, he didn't. He didn't blur the line. Mm-mm. He didn't. He didn't blur the line. He was either on this side or that yeah. side. Because then, uh, like a while after that, he had half on a baby come out, <laughs> 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 which is like when he started kind of getting a little bit raunchier. So it's just like he, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, 
two extremes. Very polarizing yeah. songwriter. <laughs> he has a song with Celine Dion. I'm your he's angel. Got, yeah, one with Jay Z. Exactly. You know, he'll write for Whitney Houston. He wrote for B2K. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, like, so I'm looking at like when he kind of started, like at the end of the '90s. And I just wanted to check this to make sure he wrote this, like when a woman's fed up, which is I think another one of his great songs, one of my yeah. favorites by him. Um, that um kind of a simple song but kind of like a storytelling and i I like songs that tell stories and it's like you know he tells a story about i guess when his woman's fed up about you know like like um um i'm trying to think of what i was going to say there i just i just really like this song um and that coupled with because i felt like these songs were at least around the same time um the song he did with sparkle you better be careful because I yeah. think he wrote that as well. And it's just like, this guy was just writing so much music. And like, you don't find that a lot in R&B. There you go. Yeah. Smooth. This was from R. Mm-hmm. Simply titled R. From 1996. So, and I know like, you know, a lot of people, he lost a few fans with the, the urinating incident. Um, and I famously have been like the people on the episode of the boondocks. I don't care. <laughs> like, I just don't care. Nigga, niggas love R. Kelly. Like, it, <laughs> and, like, I was like, oh, that's gross. Can you turn on? I wish. <laughs> Cause I love, I wish like that's another song. And that was around the time. Like you said, he started kind of writing like a rapper like that. Right. The, like the lyrics on that song are very, like someone could rap that song. Yeah. You know? course this is more you know around the time where he was like doing like really good well-written r and i'm trying to remember what else was on r uh it had um half on a baby yeah it had uh if i could turn back the hands of time if I, okay yeah so this was a double album okay yeah um he included i believe i can fly although that was on the space jam uh, soundtrack i'm your angel yeah was on there so yeah no he and so just looking at him so looking at him as an artist of course he's iconic good singer good writer but then looking at him as strictly a writer so that was a part of it until you brought this up last week i didn't realize how much he had done yeah so like you know and it's like you could i mean i mean could you really call him like you know maybe um the sound of chicago r&b because a lot of his songs had a very similar kind of bluesy sound yeah um, especially like, you know, the songs where he wasn't being straight um, pop. It was being more R and B. It kinda had you know, it sound his early stuff was very New Jack Swing, like Twelve Play was a New Jack Swing album. I well, think his work with public announcement. Yeah, public announcement was was straight yeah. um um New Jack Swing. But then it was like when he found his when he found his style and he really started writing his own stuff, um, it all and not to say that it all sounded the exact same, but it had a style. He had he had a kind of a signature to it. I mean, there was a time where um, I don't know if that was a maybe you could tell if it was a synthesized guitar or if it was a real acoustic guitar. Yeah. So good example of that. <laughs> the start of um, the beginning of Gotham City. He uses what sounds like it could be a synthesizer or it could be a guitar. You can't really tell. But like that kind of became one of his production songwriting staples where you heard that on a lot of things. So, um, of course, I the I think his first big project was really Age Ain't Nothing But a Number. Um well no, were you about to play Gotham City? Oh, well, no. Oh, I was gonna say play I mean for the folks to hear okay, the folks we'll at play home. Gotham City. Yeah. In which okay. he features a children's choir at the end. Oh, that's the ghetto version. 
That's the remix. Oh yeah, this is the remix. Yeah, he did a, he did the hood version. That was another thing. This that, was for uh, Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. So he did a song for the terrible Batman movie. Yeah. Which, ironically enough, now I remember. Do you remember Alan Young at West Georgia? Yeah, my he, professor. Yeah, he talked a lot about Joel Schumacher and oh, those yeah. two Batman movies. Because um, I like Batman Forever, but yeah, Batner, Batman and Robin was trash. Like, that was really bad. Um, I'm glad I didn't pay to see that movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, because Kiss from a Rose was, you know, the one for yeah. Batman Forever. And then Gotham City was supposed to, I think, try to mimic that. Wasn't as big, but still as good as good a song. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think I've listened to this one very much. This is the, the make love Gotham <laughs> which ironically enough, and I don't want to go too far off subject, but I remember watching a, um, documentary in which they compared, um, I guess this is more so early. Cause when I saw this documentary, it had to be like 2004, 2005, but they compared, um, R Kelly in the early nineties to Marvin Gaye. Like this style of like very sexual type music, very sensual. What do you think of that comparison? Um, like early nineties, like like around twelve play, like twelve or before play, that, twelve play, and I would really because I mean this was a documentary about R and B in the nineties, and they were just like you know comparing. They're like you know R Kelly really kind of came with the a style you know not too dissimilar to Marvin Gaye. Well, I think the. Um the like the let's get it on album with Marvin Gaye mm-hmm. probably more um probably more closely compares to R. Kelly at that time. Yeah. Just because of the 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 raw sexual energy that he brought out and and kind of the the power with, with his voice as yeah. well. And there wasn't really anyone who was combining all of that along with songwriting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and that's what kind of pushed R. Kelly like out there yeah. uh, to the point where, you know, like I said, with the, with the caption that I put on the, um, our cover page for the, uh, on the Facebook page, if you can separate yourself from the scandal, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like he, he's, he's, uh, I, the, you know, the playlist I have is just with, uh, why well, I'm adding songs that we've played by R Kelly, but the songs that he's written, Mm-hmm. Just what he's written for for other artists, yeah, and like wow, he he wrote that, he wrote that. Um, it's it's incredible. Like, it, I mean, he may be like if Prince has hundreds of thousands of tapes, mm-hmm. R. Kelly is probably getting up there. Yeah, <laughs> I can I can I only imagine that many tapes of mm-hmm. songs or or notebooks or however however his writing process is, but. Um, I think he's he's a he's a pro a prolific songwriter to where um he's able to put all this material out it, mm-hmm. it's like it's just amazing that his you don't expect an R&B career to last this long No you don't um and I think more so what was more surprising to me as a huge R. Um, R. Kelly fan, not really not realizing how much he'd written. Like I knew he did Agent Nothing But a Number, um, the Aaliyah album, but I didn't know he'd done the B2K work. I didn't know he'd done work with Changing Faces. I didn't know, um, you know, the Mary J. Blige work. The um, and I'm just kind of go you know, Black 808. I didn't know he wrote Life by um, 
by uh, Casey and Jojo from the Life soundtrack. Like, I didn't know he'd done these songs. Um, and then going back and paying attention, listening to them, I hear the R. Kelly in them now. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I, I can, I totally hear that. So and I'm looking here. Did he write Fortunate? Yeah. He Okay, that was him too? Wow. Like, he just. Yeah. Probably the most famous song that everyone knows he wrote is You Are Not Alone. Yeah. And I mean, like, that was around his classic time when he was mm-hmm. writing. We was trying to get that Grammy. <laughs> he was writing <laughs> I Live I Can Fly and, you know, You Are Not Alone from um, History, which I think is an overlooked album. Um, might be a future topic right there. Um, as far as Michael Jackson records go, even though it was one of his more successful in the late 90s, but still kind of overlooked. Um, but you just, I didn't know he'd written um all of these songs, I Look to You, um, Whitney Houston and R. Kelly. He's just, yeah, you, you don't know that. Like, it's not only is this, is there this great career as a solo artist, um, there's also this great career as a writer. Um, as far as you saying, like, he's trying to get that Grammy. So I really thought he was. Uh, he's won three Grammys. Um, uh, he has been nominated 25 times. Good Lord. Uh, he he's only won a Grammy really off of one song that was I believe I can fly. He mm-hmm. won best arm best male R and B vocal performance, best R and B song, and best song written for a motion picture, television, or other visual media. It was also nominated for song of the year and record of the year. Who did it lose to that year? All right, record of the well song of the year. Let's look at that song of the year the 1998 Grammys. Oh, that's going to be a good year. I bet like one headlight, maybe no, no. it was actually, uh, Sonny came home, which Shut was famously up. interrupted yeah. by ODB yeah. <laughs> for the kids and the record of the year was also Sonny came home. Who was nominated in those two categories? Uh, for song of the year, uh, don't speak. Oh. How do I live? Oh, and where have all the Cowboys gone? That's probably the weakest of all of them. It's and, not even her best song. <laughs> and record of the year, it was Where Have All the Cowboys Gone, Every Day is a Winding Road, and mm. Mbop. <laughs> Sonny came home. Okay. And then, of course, Sean Colvin kind of disappeared into the ether after that. Yeah. She's got some good stuff, but just kind of disappeared. What's interesting is that with his... Like it was recognized. I believe I can fly was recognized as a song written for it was. Okay, of course it was written for Space Jam, but it was recognized as, for the Grammys, mm-hmm. but not the Oscars. But not the Oscars or the Golden Globes. Probably because it was Space Jam. <laughs> and look, Prince was bad dance. Prince had bad dance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like Purple Rain as a movie by itself. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, come on, but I mean, Purple Rain versus Space Jam. Space Jam is Michael Jordan playing cartoons and basketball. <laughs> and we're seeing Prince trying to act. Fair enough. But still, like, I could, I can see how Purple Rain might have been taken a little bit more seriously than Space Jam. I could just see that. We had Randy Newman win so about, like, monsters who have a job That's at the Monster Factory. A, he won for Monsters, Inc.? What song? Um, Not You Got a Friend. That was nominated, though, right? From Toy Story? Yeah. Okay. I think I know what you're talking about, though. Yeah. So, yeah. And and for <laughs> Monsters, Inc. and Toy Story, he's writing those songs. Blaine Canada was an Oscar-nominated song for South Park. Touche. 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 They, could, they probably could have given him a nod. I didn't know Blaine <laughs> Canada was. That's kind of crazy. 
Um, so yeah, uh, I think I think he was trying to win an Oscar for I believe I could Probably, fly, yeah. but he got ignored. <laughs> I think he got he got robbed on that one. He had to be thinking it the whole time he wrote it too. It's like oh, I can I can see that gold statue right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so uh, to give you some other artists that he's written for, um, he's written well, Aaliyah of course. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also written for Genuine. Uh, Joe, uh, Charlie Wilson. He wrote Charlie, last name Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's written for uh, Jennifer Hudson, uh, Nick Cannon. Um, yeah, I see. Um, I missed it now. Oh, okay, uh, Tony Braxton too. as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Britney Spears. Yeah. Uh, High Five. I remember High Five. That was... um. A, a forgotten group, but yeah. So he's, um, you know, maybe these are songs he made, well, like with Babyface, so maybe he thought about trying to keep these songs for himself. himself. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know with You Are Not Alone, he, uh, he has that as a bonus track on one of his recent albums. Did he, uh, him singing it? Yeah. Okay. I would, I'm going to check that out. I didn't know that. Is that on the Buffet album? Um, no, okay. I can't. I can't remember which one it was. I think it was "Love Letter." Okay, it's on my Michael Jackson covers list. Okay, yeah. Um, and that was a, that was a really good song, and I think yeah. one of his last, um, one of his last, other than I guess the one that just came out, um, "Loving Never Felt So Good." But I felt like "You Were Not Alone" when it came out was like one of the last great Michael Jackson hits. Like it yeah. was, it was big enough. It charted. It did well. Um, it was kind of helped a little by the controversy of him appearing naked in the video, which is a little creepy, but whatever. But I feel like that was like his last big hit and R. Kelly has a distinction of, of, of writing, writing it. Yeah. yeah. Um, it kind of, uh, because it's Michael Jackson, you probably don't think that, I mean, I think that's when R. Kelly started to, that's when we, that, that R. Kelly, like mid tempo, R&B ballad mm-hmm. he became that's that's kind of the well I don't know if you consider that a standard an R&B standard well you were not alone yeah I do um, but that's kind of like an essential R. Kelly song if someone wanted if you wanted to mm-hmm. teach someone about R. Kelly yeah that's a song you would play yeah um, because of the tempo ballad uh, subject matter um, you know, and that song really fit Michael Jackson. It did. You re- and you really didn't get a lot of that as far as someone else writing a song for Michael Jackson and it fitting for and it be like a great fit for him. Yeah, I think the only other person. Well, I mean, Quincy Jones maybe, and then like some of the Teddy Riley stuff, which the Teddy Riley stuff really kind of changed him. But as far as somebody coming in and fitting him like a glove, yeah, like Quincy Jones and R. Kelly, like yeah. that's it's. Well, I guess in that case you would include Rod Temperton. Yeah, because well, yeah, on the Thriller album, yeah, 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 like they really fit him very well. But like as far as like after that, other than that, yeah, R. Kelly nailed it. <laughs> like it, it worked very well, and I think they tried to. Re- I think they tried to recreate that with Butterflies. I think yeah, with the, the Floor Two track, good song, just didn't work as well. But I think they were trying to recreate that. What do you think of 
of him like being either on one side of the fence or the other as far as his songs go like like you said he'll he has a song he's written he's he's done a song with Celine Dion mm-hmm. he's also done a song with Jay-Z um or mm-hmm. he has a song um like I believe I can fly or yeah. I'm your angel and then he has bump bump bump. <laughs> bump 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 play bump 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 for the people <laughs> in case they don't know I know it's been a while since B2K has been around it has that acoustic guitar thing which he was known for yeah. I feel like that was like that and Fiesta <laughs> Fiesta Fiesta yeah yeah <laughs> cause he didn't show up in this video with his little Pied Piper mask on dude no <laughs> He had yeah. he had some interesting phases. Yeah, and that's the thing I forgot about that. He was the Pied Piper of R&B for a minute, where he was writing songs like this, um, and just like, but well, I'm a flirt. That was another one. Yeah. <laughs> the many phases. Maybe this was his midlife crisis, because this came after he wrote all of the really serious stuff. Yeah. And then you know he did Best of Both Worlds with Jay Z, and the next thing you know he's writing Fiesta and. Yeah, and uh, the song he did with Cassidy Hotel. Hotel, yes, baby, you can come to my hotel. Forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's different. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm looking here now. It's it, it's giving me his career information. His um basketball career. Six one, two hundred pounds, shooting guard, small forward. Okay, the NBA Entertainment League. Yeah, six <laughs> one. You're not. You're not a small forward. No. no, no. Um, but no, I think that just showed his versatility. The fact that he was like, you know, I can, and I mean, honestly, from an ego standpoint, maybe he did it to show his versatility. Yeah, it's like I can make a club banger, and I can make something that you can um that you can sit down at a piano and play. That's kind of what. When it comes to judging songwriting, and this could be the snob in me coming out, but like, a, like when you're writing a real song that you want to be a real serious song, like a, you know, to be remembered for years to come, you write it on a piano. Like you sit down to a piano, you are not alone. Can be played on a piano. Um, I believe I can fly. Got all these songs can be played, and I guarantee you, he wrote all of these songs on a piano. Sat down. You know, probably didn't you know compose sheet music or anything like that, but like you know, wrote these songs and could probably sit down with you right now and play any of these songs on a piano, just the way he wrote it the first time. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I think he also. Some people would say that, like with with someone like Marvin Gaye, he kind of wrestled with um, trying to deal with his own sexuality. And also being a man of God, like he's the son of a preacher. Mm-hmm. Um, R. Kelly, I don't, I wouldn't say he had like the same exact path, but he was on, I guess, what may be considered both sides of the fence there. Yeah. Like um, I was telling Ben, he wrote uh, the song God's Grace for Trinity 5-7. That's the only song I know by them. <laughs> um, I remember I, when I was, I think I was like 14 or 15. Um when Kirk Franklin was everywhere, Huge. right? Um, I saw him in concert. And so did I. 
<laughs> at the Augusta Richmond County Civic Center, now oh. known as James Brown Arena. Columbus Civic Center. <laughs> uh, it was Kirk Franklin um, with uh, with God's property, but their opening act was Trinity Five Seven. Nice. And hearing the song "God's Grace," like now that I hear it again, like I'll play it for you. But it sounds like it sounds like, it sounds like an R. Kelly song. Change the words. <laughs> oh my God! It does. <laughs> it sounds like an R. Kelly song. It sounds like some changing faces. <laughs> he changed the words to a change of faces song. <laughs> there you go. You have solved it. <laughs> but um, he has, I wouldn't say dabbled in gospel, mm-hmm. but he does have gospel roots yeah. as well. It's gospel, it's blues. A lot of black um, singers do, though. To be honest, yeah. like a lot of black singers, I mean, like I'm a black singer. I have roots in gospel. Like I started out <laughs> singing in church. So yeah, a lot of, yeah. And that goes back to, um, for anyone who's seen Ray, it goes back to Ray Charles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His songs were, were got, he's combining R&B and gospel. And that was controversial at the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I think in this case, it was taking what, what is, uh, the essential part of R&B with, which is related to R. Kelly mm-hmm. and putting it in a gospel song. Yeah. Man, that, that's, no, that's sounds- great. like you said, like he changed the lyrics to a change of faces song that he mm-hmm. a change of faces demo. But yeah, so I wonder if people, when they heard this was like, this is uh, it's a little too central to be a, <laughs> a gospel song. <laughs> like just listen to the lyrics. I can't, I can't help it. It just sounds like, People like start slow dancing to it. Like, wait a minute. This sounds like baby making music. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds just like some R. Kelly, though. R. Kelly would try to do that. He would try to make (laughs) baby making gospel music. He would. Amen. He would. I think he'd try it. (laughs) I could totally hear that. But this is such it's such a smooth beat, and that it screams R. Kelly. Like, if you didn't tell me he wrote this, you could just play and be like, oh yeah, this. This is an R. Kelly song. <laughs> I can I can imagine him in the studio, like laying down the demo, probably just like grinding like real hard as he's singing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Oh man! So to, we are getting so much trouble. So to talk about <laughs> kind of where he's gone, I think one of the more famous things he's done within the last five years, five or six years, if not more, is the Trapped in the Closet saga. Which really took on a life of its own. Yeah, that that will be, I guess, to to the younger fans, that w- that's kind of his legacy. Yeah, that's what they know. That's, that's what, what they know. But, you know, people our age, you know, um, if there's the classic R&B album or if there's, you know, if there's that closer, mm-hmm. you know what I mean by closer? Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're talking about 12 play. Yeah. Um that that's his legacy to people our age. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, trapped in the closet. Yeah. I think it tur- it it's it's interesting to to me. Like with you know with no research, um, I think it was an experiment. Probably, and I mean that, it started out well. Um, an experiment that just that may have gotten a little out of control. Uh, so I think that part like fifteen or sixteen. He had to be asking himself, what am I doing? So, <laughs> so you remember, I forget which album, which uh, Terrence Trent Darby. Yeah. When I talked about when genius goes unchecked. Yeah. 
this is what happens. <laughs> like basically he made the first, however many chapters, I think it was like the first seven or eight, maybe. Yeah. Um, and then after that, he just started making like weird, he started doing fake voices. Cause it started out as just like, you know, um, and this is probably why I liked it so much because I like songs that tell stories. The song was one long story. Yeah. And it was cool. And then he started doing voices and aliens showed up and like, it just got, <laughs> it got out. And when genius goes it, unchecked, it got out of control. Like it's supposed, I thought it was supposed to start off with, okay, a guy ends up, he wakes up in a, in another woman's house and then her husband comes home. Like that's a good enough story right mm-hmm. there. And like, and what happens from there? But yeah. then. You know, probably like around part four or five, it started getting yeah. out of control. <laughs> like it was, and I was just, I still can go back and listen. And I'm just like, I, there's, there's certain parts I just stopped. Like when he started doing the voices, I was like, I'm good. Like, I'm <laughs> like, you could have stopped right there, but like, it's like, and I'm looking right here at like produced, but I mean, like he's one of the producers. Um, of course it was all written by him, but it's just like, no one told him like, Hey, you should stop. Yeah. Like he. It was supposed to be a it's a it's a a musical soap opera. There's 33 chapters. Yeah, 33 <laughs> chapters of this. So it's just like, you know, he calls it the big package. It's 91 minutes. That's a feature film. <laughs> package. So it's just like started out as a good idea and I I think after a while it became so absurd that he was like, "I right, just keep doing it, you know?" <laughs> um and so, and it's kind of crazy. That's like, you know, that's one of his legacies. That's, you know, that's something that he did. Um, I don't even know what to say. And I think, honestly, I still remember when it first came out, like it was kind of a surprise. Like you didn't, you know, what's also interesting is that <clears throat> how you take the same beat and write 33 songs. Oh yeah. <laughs> and you know what? That beat is so fire. Like I love that beat. Oh God! Remind me to show you the American Dad version of it. I've seen that. Oh, you have okay, I've okay, seen that. yeah. And of course, it 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 um, you know, invoked a ton of parodies. You know, that one is that one being one of them. Uh, the, Weird Al uh, has Weird trapped Al. in the drive-through. Yeah, like it was it was just and that beat, man. Like I loved it, and and the thing about R. Kelly with his singing voice, he can get so dramatic when he sings. And are you about to play it? Yes. Yes. Listen to that beat. It's got that fake acoustic guitar in there and <laughs> kind of mid-tempo. Oh, yeah. Using a kind of a raindrop sound, water drop sound as a snare. Is that a is that a theremin in the back? I think so, yes. Matt has a theremin. Those things are weird. <laughs> Like the, uh, the, the song was supposed to be about <laughs> the trap in the closet was about mm-hmm. the trap in the cl- I don't know what the trap in the closet part was supposed to mean anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, no one does. No one. Ooh, I love those. Just everything about it. He la- he layers the song perfectly. Um, so like one thing I used to read about when I performed acoustic all the time. Um, when you're performing with just an acoustic guitar and a, and a voice, you really want to go for dynamics. So like really loud choruses, really quiet verses. And I feel like he kind of took that here. Cause like the, like you said, the beats the same for 33 chapters. So like he starts out kind of, you know, subdued a little bit. And as it goes on and as tension builds, 
he builds his voice by until the end he's really dramatic and the beat starts to build and he he does it so well to where like it's not boring like it's yeah he was able to take it for 33 chapters uh, how likely do you think it is that with all 33 songs <laughs> that he's in the studio by himself I wouldn't be surprised I mean if he's <laughs> I mean I imagine like maybe 20 through 33 they're like his producer or whoever was with him alright I'm out like you got the beat you don't need me like just loop it like just <laughs> so all he needed is, all he would need is an engineer to punch him in and punch him out when he's singing um but yeah, we're still in part one with that, but we're not going to go through. Yeah. But like, like to think about that, the, um, is that, is that, do you think that's discipline or that's, uh, it's being a little bit crazy, a little bit crazy. I'm not going to say that's <laughs> discipline. That's being a little bit crazy. I still, I still will call that genius unchecked. Like just somebody should have been there to tap him on the shoulder um, but at this point, he's R. Kelly. He's had such a long, and, I, you know. And I think someone, career. someone did, someone did probably at part three. Like, oh man, that this, this song has three parts. It's gonna be amazing. We'll make a short video out of it. And he's like, I, it's like three, I, three. I mean, it's not uh, three. The story's not over yet. Wait, wait. I got, I got an idea. And then they write, they write something down. And and then I had an idea happen twenty eight more times. Yeah. <laughs> and this thing, you know, we get. The phenomenon known as trapped in the closet because it is nothing. It was nothing short of a phenomenon in my oh, opinion. Yeah. It was you know one of the early. Let's see, this was 2005. Mm-hmm. So this is like at the very beginning of YouTube. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think it was on YouTube for a while, but it was at the um, you know kind of the early stages of YouTube. One of the the early, um, well maybe not viral videos, but. Uh, one of the one of those kind of things that came out of nowhere as far as a music video Mm -hmm. it really came out of nowhere because everyone saw chapter one yeah and the way it ended like oh there's gonna be a chapter two all right that's cool yeah oh chapter three okay four five six i would like for someone to do this again because it was exciting i remember like waiting for the chapters to come out and trying to find a way to watch them yeah i know um uh, IFC, the Independent Film Channel. Yeah, they've shown them. They right? they've shown all of them back to back. They do stuff like that though. Yeah, they have like bad <laughs> movie fest. Like they just they do that. So, um, yeah, that's uh, and it gave us right. okay, give us the line. Oh my God, a rubber, rubber, <laughs> rubber. Like the end. Like that's. I almost felt like that became a joke in itself to end like a, Oh my God, I'm gone. Like, just like, just like, that's just a way to like end, you know, a conversation. Just, I don't know. Like there was just everything. I liked everything about trapped, the Clo- trapped in the closet until it just got overboard. Yeah. Um, cause then the, the stories are, unre- are look to be unrelated. Mm-hmm. He's introducing a lot of new characters. It's, um, it's very, that's why I kind of think, Outside of scandal, uh, the scandal, R. Kelly is very weird mm-hmm. <laughs> because like who thinks of making 33 songs with the same beat on it? I don't care how fire it is. That is weird. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is, that is genius unchecked. Mm-hmm. That, that is craziness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then how do you like kind of 
you made more songs and albums after this. So how do you like decompress yeah. to, where, to where you don't accidentally put something from traffic <laughs> in one of your new songs? It was a labor of love, man. Once he got it all out, he was like, I'm good. I can finally close that chapter. And then chapter 34. No. <laughs> I'm, well, I'd have to watch up to 33 so I could be caught up. And I don't want to do that. I thought there was only 22. I didn't know there were 33. Yeah. I, how, how is there? Well, okay. This was 12 years ago, right? So mm-hmm. maybe I, maybe I'll, I'll watch and like, see, is there an end to this? There know. has to be an end to this. I guess if I could watch it as a feature length movie, like just all in one take, maybe it'd be a little bit better. I'd probably skip to chapter like seven because I've I don't want to see the first again. I don't I want to just get through the whole thing. But I've regularly t- I've turned this on before, <laughs> like just like I've been cleaning the house. Just turn it on. Turn on chapter in the closet. <laughs> let it play chapters one through seven. Like, yeah. Um. Another. Uh, um. He and I, he's become an influence on R and B artists today. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are going to have a future episode on how um, I saw an article to where how uh, they talked about how R and B is dying, mm. especially in the in the black community, um, and then when the most influential artist on black music is you know, Ed Sheeran, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know R and B is looked at differently. And what's what's interesting, like maybe um, you could probably consider. Uh, R. Kelly, the last R and B pop star. I guess so. Well, I mean, some people. Yeah. May, if you consider the weekend R and B, you may consider Drake R and B. I would um, say maybe Chris Brown too. Chris Brown. Well, Chris Brown it may be the last one. Yeah. Um, maybe Bruno Mars, but you probably consider him pop first. Yeah, he's more pop anything. to me. Yeah. But um. Like he was, or maybe he was the last of those, like there was, you know, I, I, I call them like the, like the each, the last like four or five decades, they have those like solo male R and B, like the, like Titans, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and each decade has, you know, at least three or four. Yeah. And I think from with the nineties, you include R Kelly with, um, I guess maybe Babyface mm-hmm. and um, I don't know. Yeah, Just maybe three. maybe Maxwell. Or Maxwell, yeah. yeah. Casey and JoJo, Casey, possibly. Uh, yeah, or JoJo in general. Yeah, but. yeah. But you know that had you know uh, that were that were R and B, but they were also on the pop charts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and being popular that way. And I think it's changed now to where, um, you, it, it get it's fused with hip hop in a different way. Like guys aren't allowed to be vulnerable or sensitive mm-hmm. or, yeah. I mean, you could talk about, I mean, you know, you can make baby making music, but it's, it's not the, it's, I feel like it's not, it's not the same. Well, you can't be, cause then they call you a simp. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You're too sensitive. Mm-hmm. Only one guy's allowed to be sensitive um, as far as aren't making R&B-ish music, and that only guy is Drake. Yeah. Well, I feel like Bryson Tiller's kind of simpish. He'd be simping. Um, 
And I think I would yeah. be surprised if he was inspired well, by R. Kelly, his rap phase, because Trap Soul, he'd be kind of rapping. Yeah. I mean, he, he's definitely, he definitely has them. Actually, this song, I think he sampled R. Kelly. Or R. Kelly actually, like, co wrote on it, but I think it was because he sampled him. You are now tuned in. This is Let Him Know by Bryson Tiller from Trap Soul. Oh my, this is the most I've heard him sing before. <laughs> Yeah, this song was co-written by R. Kelly. I hear that. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, but I definitely hear a little bit of like late era R. Kelly and Bryson Tiller, the way he which he sings, and the, which is the way he performs. So yeah, he has he has an influence on a lot of on you know some artists going today. Um, trying to see if there was uh, no, that's not it. Um, okay, yeah, his musical style influence. Well, Marvin Gaye was mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Um, he says he's influenced by Stevie Wonder. Al Green, Donnie Hathaway, Sam Cooke, of course the Isley Brothers. You yeah. got a chance to work with them mm-hmm. um, a lot. <laughs> yeah, and him taking um, he's also one of the like to where like okay, R. Kelly is fifty years old. Damn, I, I did not realize that, but I guess yeah, they, yeah, he's been he's a while fifty for a while. years old. He he was successful in the New Jack Swing era and then into the nineties. And then the late nineties with kind of like when R and B and hip hop are being fused together more Mm -hmm. and more. And while at the same time writing pop ballads Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, and having success there. And, um, and then today he like, he still has influence on, uh, he's still uh, an influence and still working. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's really a, you don't see that in in R and B very much. I mean, you would think he would be on a nostalgia tour right now. Yeah, but he's still he's. He just had the buffet tour. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, so he's still he's still writing new things, and um, I think more people are going to um, continue to. Uh, you all right? Yeah. <laughs> don't know what happened. <laughs> uh, you know, continue to um, continue to support his music. It's, um, you know, like he's still on both sides. He's still on both sides. It's like, he'll write a song about, you know, um, uh, he'll write a, a Bryson Tiller style track, <laughs> right? So Bryson Tiller, and he'll probably do a song with, um, I don't know who's, who's well, he had it? that song when a woman, um, when a woman loves, when a woman loves. Yeah write a song like that yeah where <laughs> i believe uh it sounds straight up like you know yeah like 60s mm-hmm. soul like me and i think uh <laughs> minario was saying 
Um, cause this is, you know, it was around the time he was doing all the rapping, singing and stuff. He was like, I think somebody told our, like said, R. Kelly, man, you can't sing no more. I was like, Oh, really? <laughs> oh, okay. And he just, and he comes out with love. He, comes out and with he was album. looking at him the whole time in the, in the studio, just singing. <laughs> like in case y'all, like y'all forgot I can't sing. Y'all got it. Like I can't sing. He was, he was out there Brett Favre in it, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's still my favorite line. Have you heard that song? Oh, it's a, um, We'll have to listen to it. It's Outcast, uh, the art of storytelling, like part three or four. Okay. And Andre 3000 says, they got me out here, Brett Favre in it, trying to see if I still got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Genius. Um, yeah. So, uh, well, I was kind of like expecting, well, R. Kelly is not where like some of his songs are, uh, are related to, well, how I've been, um, related to, to, Chicago step dancing. Mm. I didn't, and I don't know much about Chicago step dancing. Yeah. Well, step, everyone's heard step in the name of love. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like kind of the one, the song that everybody may know, yeah. but as far as his, some of his music, it could also include, um, some of his other songs could have me. They may have a, you know, step dance version to it or okay. something like okay. that. So he is, um, he is, uh, his music is, is clearly influenced by his hometown. Yeah. Um, he'll, he's also working, maybe working on a house music album. <laughs> wow. I was familiar with Chicago house. Um, uh, it's more underground and it will be interesting to see his, his take on that mm-hmm. on, on house music. Um, well, the Chicago, Chicago house music, it would, that would be interesting if, if that album ever came out. Yeah. Um, and how how well I'm sure Chicago would like it. I don't know about anyone else, <laughs> but I'll be I'll be interested to hear something like that. Yeah. Um, so with him, like using different, like just still he's still trying new things. Yeah, he's still he trying yeah. to like okay, well, how about you know a step dance song or album? All right, let how about some house music? Because um, he can, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's, he's famous pretty enough. Much, pretty much. The man. same reason he did Trapped in the Closet, because he can't. Like, he's famous enough. Yeah. He's got the clout and the success to where it's just like, yeah, if you want to do it, you can do it. Yeah. I like. I expect him to write a musical very soon or make Trapped I'm in the Closet I'm surprised he hasn't musical. done it yet. <laughs> I'm, uh, uh, Trapped in the Closet, I thought it was going to be as like a stage musical. <laughs> maybe there would be more than one beat for the, you know. For maybe. <laughs> maybe. But um, it's something that he could... Like, uh, he's another one of those people that I think is probably at heart a writer. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we, you know, we've heard just mostly music out of him, but I think he could, um, he could pull off something like that. I heard, and I, I really want, I should probably fact check this, but it was on a pop up video episode where when he was younger, his teacher compared him to Harry Connick Jr. Hmm. That's who he, she said, that's who he reminded her of a Harry Connick Jr., which I thought was a very interesting comparison. Um, but yeah, I mean, this guy's just, he's a creative soul. He's like, to create doesn't matter how, doesn't matter when, doesn't matter why, just he's going to create. So, um, uh, anything you'd like to, else you'd like to add about Mr. Kelly? Um, other than we could use more writers like R. Kelly. Oh, and I wish I didn't really bring that up. I love that song. Um, my favorite part being, come on and braid my hair. Um, at the end of it, when he repeats that line over and over again. Yeah. Stuff like that. It's just, that's cool. 
Like just that's that's what R. Kelly was at that time. I mean, on the record cover, he's in like all white with fur and a white do rag, throwing up a, a peace sign. <laughs> and in the video, he's like sitting on the porch. He's like, "Come on and braid my hair." Like that's just that's oh, man, that's R. Kelly. That's R. Kelly. I don't care. I don't think he did it. He he did it though, didn't he? There was a video. There's a video. It's you can't tell if it's him. I mean, it's not clear, but it probably is. Like, yeah. It, I don't like to think about it. Yeah, me either. Man, I'm not gonna think about it. I think my sister at the time was like, "I don't, I can't listen to his music." I'm like, "Well, I can. <laughs> I can listen to his music. <laughs> I can separate it." Yeah. All right. So that will do it for our discussion on one Robert Kelly. That yeah, sometimes you forget his name is Robert. Um, sorry, something else tried to open on me, and I'm trying to close it. You trying to get your earworm? Okay, there we go. All right, so um, my earworm of the week is uh. It's a song, uh, well, this is his second appearance, technically, on the uh, BTTYT Airworms playlist. It's a new single by Nick Jonas, also featuring Anne-Marie and Mike Posner. Hmm, okay, I didn't know he was back, okay. And uh, it's a song called Remember I Told You. Okay. And um, it kind of has that tropical house sound, but it's not as (laughs) annoying to me. So does it have parrots and birds screeching in the background? No, (laughs) not so much of that, but, um, yeah, I like the song and you don't get a lot of songs to where it's, it's three, a pop song with three different singers on it. Yeah. That That is kind of not a group. Yeah. You know, you don't get a whole lot of that. So, um, it's a song that I, uh, I like a lot. So this is Nick Jonas featuring Anne Marie and Mike Posner. And it's called Remember I Told You, and we will be right back. Remember I told you.
That is Remember I Told You by Nick Jonas featuring Anne Marie and Mike Posner. Oh, he's rapping on this. Yeah. Oh, this, is, this is a good track. Wow. Now this is he's he's the talented one, Nick Jonas. He he none of them have had any success other than him as a solo artist. Kevin tried, Joe tried. They're probably like Which why one did is in DNCE? That Joe. Joe. Yeah. Okay. Kevin tried his own thing. Kevin tried to do like an Usher type thing. It wasn't very good. So Which yeah. one had the association? Nick. Okay. So Nick, not only like that was when he was trying to be John Mayer, <laughs> and it didn't quite. I liked it, but it didn't quite work. Um, so much so that he even took David Ryan Harris to be in that band <laughs> for a little bit, <laughs> and the entire New Power Generation band mm. was his backing band. Um, and now he's doing this. It's like he could. It's like he he could do whatever he wants at this point. Like it's, yeah. it's so funny. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's going to bring us to the end of our episode. And uh, Ben, can you tell the people where we can be found? Yes, they can. I'm going to add this, by the way. Thank you for that's a good track. Um, you can find us uh, first and foremost at by the time you hear this dot com. Don't get to for that. Um, <laughs> where we post episodes, um, blog style. So leave us a message, um, share it. I guess you know, yeah. post them on Facebook, Instagram, wherever you wherever you do your social media ing. Um, you can also find us on. Um, so the Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash by the time you hear this, both the website and the Facebook are spelled with Y-O-U, as in the word, to find us on the Instagrams. As Greg said earlier, you can find us at by the time you hear this, spelled with the letter U because we're upstanding. Yes, we are. We've been since episode something. I don't know. We yeah. got to find out the number <laughs> when it when it switched. Um, we post pictures, like our pictures. If you're if you're. um an artist on Instagram, like us, and maybe we'll play your song and talk about you on here. Who knows? Maybe we will. Um, you can also email us at by the time you hear this at gmail.com, spelled with the letter U, um, just like the Instagram spelling. We are on Podomatic. We are on Castbox, TuneIn, Google Play, um, Satchel Podcast, and last and least, iTunes. <laughs> uh... <laughs> oh, I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. Um, so many ways to find us, check us out, drop us a line, um, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, cause we're out here podcasting everybody. Um, <laughs> yeah. And for those who are listening, thanks. We appreciate it. All right. Um, well, Ben, as, uh, well, I'm going to have you pick the, the, the song we can close the podcast with. Okay. Okay. Um, Let's see. Oh, I wish. Yeah. Yeah. I wish by R. Kelly, not Ray J. <laughs> uh, well, that was one wish, but I still, no, one. not that. Yeah. <laughs> he was trying to get his prints on. All right. So I wish by R. Kelly and uh, we're going to end the show here. Thank you everyone for listening and we will talk to you soon. Peace. Peace. To every city, every hood, and every block, get on America. Rolling through the hood, just stop out and say what's up, and let you know your baby boy ain't doing so tough. And even though you've passed, going on four long years, 
Still waking up late at night crying tears Just thinking about those days you used to talk to me Smiling while I'm sipping on this Hennessy And remember we brag on how rich we would be To get up out this hood was like a fantasy Oh, I can't believe my ears and what everybody's saying Boy, I tell you, folks don't know the half I would give it all up just to take one ride With you How I used to kick it on the front porch With you How I used to lay back and smoke weed With you and all the little basement party joints we do Now I'm just missing you How I wish I wish that I could hold you now Oh, I wish that I could touch you now oh, Just trading my success. Y'all look at me and say, for you.